0: This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. Product Marketing So so product marketing has become an essential function for B2B businesses that actually want to win more. If you want to create better go-to-market strategies and increase your sales win rate, having a product marketer on the team is key. But the definitions around product marketing can still be somewhat fluid depending on your organization. In 2020, The Product Marketing Alliance collected over 160 definitions for what a product marketer does. This role is evolving. It's changing, like pretty much any other role in any organization. So today, we're going to dive into this idea of what product marketing is. We're going to explore the state of product marketing, past, present, future. Here to share his insights is Sean Broderick, Director of Go-To-Market and Product Marketing at Sitecore. Sean, welcome to the show, man.
1: Absolutely delighted to be here, Ryan. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so before we get into this, we we have a a knack of a habit, if you will, at at, uh, Sales Intelligence Weekly to have you, uh, we, we need to peel your onion a little bit, right? So who are you? Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about Sitecore.
1: Yeah, for myself, a a career product marketer, basically, I've spent uh, about 12 to to 14 years in the space, came out of uh, B2C marketing and telcos, and since then, I've kind of been in the the telecoms, Salesforce, uh, Sitecore, CMS product marketing space. From, from our point of view, Sitecore, we're a DXP platform provider, we're undergoing a transition of our own and that we're we're moving to the cloud, we're moving to a composable DXP type solution and moving away from that monolith. We still have those solutions there for everybody who needs it, but we're seeing a massive drive from our customers to want to be able to, to look at the pieces that they need to look at, to really solve their own customer problems. So um, it's, a, it's a really exciting time for us at Sitecore. We've had a, a mass amount of product innovation, but also uh, new companies that we've acquired that we're really kind of merging into our, our solution also. So I'm there almost a year now, It's kind of hard to believe, but starting to bed in and, uh, and really enjoying it.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny how time flies, man. You, you snap your fingers, 12 months are gone, and you know, what, what happened? what did I do? Where am I? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so excited to get into this conversation today. Um, I, I want to start with some definitions. Um, what is product marketing, right? So at the beginning, uh, in the pre-show, you and I were, were talking, and getting to know each other a little bit, and you said some, gosh, people overcomplicate product marketing. So help us, help us demystify, help us unpack that. What is a product marketing?
1: My favorite definition of what we're responsible for is getting products to market and keeping them there. And I think the commercial launch of new and existing products is the bedrock of where the role I think came from. How do we get this stuff to market? Everything else hangs from that. So once you get into your positioning, your messaging and all the other elements that help you launch your product to the market, all of that is, all of that should and, and is tied up in that. So that's how I really see it. I think that's a, a product marketing alliance definition: getting products to market and keeping them there. It's as probably as succinct as and as close to how I feel about the role as I've come across. And it's it's always the one that I use when I'm asked that question.
0: I love that. That's a very succinct and easy to understand response. But let's let let's now make a necessary complication. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, hey, let's let's demystify. Now let's get complicated. So what should today's product marketer own, right? So you, you said at a very top level, getting the product to market and keeping it there. Perfect definition. Let's take it a few layers deeper. What, what do they own?
1: Yeah, I think that this is always a tricky one and it's going to be on a company by company basis. But the way I would always see a product marketer is they need to own the commercial aspect of that launch. What I find is if, if you embed yourself too far into the engineering and the product development process, you're going to get bogged down in all of the features, all of the JIRA tickets, all of those things that go into getting a product into a release cycle where I try and position myself is a little bit further down that track. Um, So when you're working with the product management team, when things are coming a couple of months away from release, if that's for an existing or a new product, um, and then you can start to work with the sales teams the customer success teams and get those people in that organization ready for that commercial launch how is this thing going to help us make money and I think that's the kind of last piece that the product marketers really need to hone in on and I think we can we can talk about sales enablement and we can talk about these other things in terms of internal enablement but it's really all about the bottom line how is this going to help how is this new product going to help our win rates how much of it how much is it going to drive in terms of revenue in the business this year and how do all the activities of product marketers actually complete on a day-to-day basis going to help us get there for me that's not really down in the weeds um on all of the JIRA boards what I want to know is what is it and when is it launching and when is it going to or when is it going to be uh, release ready because there's a, I think there's a really strong distinction there. If something is gonna be ready on March 1st, we might make a business decision that we're gonna launch it on April 1st. And then we're gonna take that time to really create the material to generate a little bit of a buzz internally, uh, generate that buzz externally as well. For us at Sitecore, it's a challenge. We've got 11 products. We've got three clouds, we've got a DXP, we've got a managed cloud. So really generating that buzz across all of those products is pretty impossible. So you have to pick your spots. And I think that's so important that product marketers can really, rather than trying to do absolutely everything, really focus in on the areas that are going to drive the most value for the business. And that's making sure that you're aligned with your sales team. You're aligned with the revenue goals and you're aligned with how a business is focused on making money in that quarter or in that financial year.
0: So how do you do that though? So I I love this, right? So you stop just shy of getting into the product dev, not just shy, maybe even steps removed from product dev um, because you don't want to get bogged down in the weeds of the, you know, the tickets, the creation, right? You want to talk about the commercial side of things, how do you do that? How do you find your sweet spot of where you should focus? if every organization is different, I mean, in any given organization, give, give some tips and tricks to our listeners on how to find their sweet spot as a product marketer? I
1: think it's all about it's all about building those relationships because I think the natural, we were talking about you know the things that I'm involved in, both from a work context and things outside like podcasts and board membership and things like that the natural, I suppose, inclinations of a product marketer is to take on absolutely everything. We try and eat the whole meal all of the time and it's just not possible. And I think that prioritization is really crucial. And in order to really be effective, the relationships you need to build with your engineering team, your product team, and I think particularly in your your external marketing team, both from a campaign and a website point of view are super important because you can't do it all. And I think having that visibility from, we have an engineering project management office um, who work with our product management team and they'll have a really good sense of the progress that they're making on releases. We sit in on those calls, those update calls once a week. So we get a really good sense of what's delayed, what's coming, what's deprioritized, but we keep it at that level and uh, and that's and that's how i would that's how i would maybe make that distinction for people who are listening in now if you're kind of finding that you're in all of the sprints you're in all of those uh, initial um ceremonies that go with with agile, agile product software development right now those are that's the area that you need to get yourself to and uh, i think that's that's how i would characterize it for uh, for everyone in the product marketing space
0: so that's that's super helpful i want I you actually are, are spurring on a, a very curious mind here. Um, because we don't have a fixed definition, like most uh, roles have, at, at, or it varies greatly, maybe more great, more you know, maybe there's a wider um, variation from organization to organization than almost any other role or job function. What are some, you mentioned one thing, Um, about what might make a good product marketer. And it's that drive and curiosity to get into everything, but then knowing how to pull yourself and focus on your organization. What are some other things, some other attributes or characteristics of a person that might be wanting to get into product marketing? What makes a good product marketer?
1: It's a really big question, right? But I would say that product marketers as a whole, when we talk about the role, there's a, there's a danger that we we kind of mystify it almost too much hmm. and that there is a kind of a people like to kind of frame a layer of impossibility to this role. Unfortunately, for any, anyone, I think when a product marketer, if a product marketer doesn't show up for work, it's not a case that, you know, we're not going to cure cancer. We're not going to actually kind of get nobody's working on it. those things at, at that level this job is possible to learn and it's possible to do. I think anybody who has a really good sense of uh, writing, um, a commercial focus, the ability to work with multiple stakeholders, um, the ability to work in, uh, I guess, a really kind of structured way from a project perspective, you'll have campaign managers, demand managers, general marketing managers in the B2C space, all of those profiles of people are really suited to the role. Um, I know a couple of people who have come in from the BDR uh, side of the house and even from the AE side of the house into the product marketing function. If they bring a real structure to their work, if they can write good copy, and they're obviously gonna have that empathy for a seller, they can absolutely come in and do that role as well. So I think all of those profiles and backgrounds, the kind of three things I would say is ability to write good copy, be able to hone in on messaging that's really clear, the ability to work with multiple stakeholders. And like I say, that that kind of sales and commercial focus if you have all of those things you can absolutely come into a role and i think one of the things i'm hoping to do in in the future at Sitecore in my own career is put more of a focus on folks who haven't actually got into the role yet so people who want to break into product marketing is really really important because there is in in a role that people aren't fully sure of what they want from that person they're going to gravitate towards the most senior person they can get and i think that's something we need to change and as product marketing leaders in the space, we need now to be able to get our hands on that budget and drive the next generation of product marketers that are gonna come into the role with one and two years experience, with people that are gonna come into the role straight out of college. The biggest, smartest companies are doing that right now. And I think it's gonna take for more medium size and smaller orgs, it's gonna take them a little bit longer. But I think if you have somebody in there who understands the space, Who's done some of the certifications that are out there that are all really, really um, strong and giving you a good foundation? That's going really going to give you a really good basis for growth. And you're, and in two or three years' time, you're going to have an army of those market, product marketing managers with three and four years' experience because product marketers aren't created. <laughs> so you you, re, you really have to uh, you really have to give people the opportunity to get in, uh, learn the role and make an impact and grow their own careers as well.
0: Product marketers aren't created, they're developed, right? They're over time. So, uh, okay, so we've talked about, you've leaned into really the future, where things are headed here with product marketing. Let's talk about the past a little bit, right? So how are things different today than they were, say, five or even 10 years ago for product marketers?
1: When I I first came into a, a product marketing role, I'd come out of about four years in B2C marketing roles and telcos. So it was very much around the proposition and, and new introductions for, for products, bundling, for things like broadband, TV, voice, mobile phones, that kind of quad play type space. So when I came into the product marketing space in a company called Openet, they're a telecom software company. They're now owned by Amdocs. And a lot of people will be familiar with Amdocs in the, the telecoms billing um, and charging space. The area that we really honed in on was the sales enablement side. So, big enterprise deals, long sales cycle, anywhere from 12 to 18 months. So, the first six or seven years of my product marketing career were very much around um, I won't say, I would say strategic deal support, because when you have a long sales cycle, you could have a ticket value of a deal size that is up around a million euros. The sales team, it's a full revenue team effort to get those deals over the line from the product management side, product marketing, um, the the sellers, obviously, and particularly the SEs. So working with those teams, building the demo stories, building the presentations, and even getting in front of those customers, because when you have an in-depth knowledge of a telco customer, as I did at that time, able to kind of deliver that message in that way so my my real first experience and how it was 10 years ago for me was very much closely closely working with the sales team pretty much at all levels of their sales cycle creating those assets creating those bespoke presentations for those larger deals Um, so that's that's how it's kind of evolved for me i think back 10 years ago probably wasn't building too many messaging frameworks. We were just kind of building presentations that we thought looked good and uh, and and were well received by customers. And uh, I think, you know, we also delved in and supported quite a lot on the demand generation side, content generation. So we kind of cut our teeth in writing long form guides on customer use cases, really kind of throwing stuff at the wall in a lot of ways from a content point of view and to see what stuck. Some of it did, some of it didn't, but we learned a tonne.
0: Okay. So we've talked about the evolution, uh, where, we, we, where we think we're headed. What are some of the KPIs that product marketers might be attached to instead of organizations? What kind of KPIs should they be looking to, you know, metrics should they be looking to impact? I think
1: It has to start at the new product introduction level. So when you're introducing brand new products, if there's a revenue line that you're trying to hit 10 million in revenue for a new product in that year, that has to be your top line KPI. Um, it's it's not to say that everything your product marketer do, does can affect that number. And with sales cycles, these things take a little can take a little bit of time. But you has to then revenue number has to sit at the top of your of your uh, I guess of your goals because all of the other things that feed into that assets that you create from competitive intelligence point of view, presentations you create for pitch decks, data sheets, content that sellers need internal enablement sessions and training all of that is feeding towards helping the commercial teams in the organization hit their number i have a lot of empathy for salespeople. um i know it's a really really tough job banging on virtual and physical doors um and i think it's you know that's one of the areas that i'm really passionate about is giving them the tools that are going to allow them to close deals faster so revenue line has got to be up there. I think if you have the ability to have sales enablement type solutions and, and tooling in your organization, things like Highspot, for example, you're able to really track how people are consuming your, consuming your content. So you can start to uh, piece in, I would say, elements like, you know, viewership, uh, the amount of times your con- content has been downloaded, how much it's actually been used. A lot of people aren't necessarily as mature as that. But I think um, those, are, those are things you can uh, you can hone in on as well. Uh, other elements, I think, that are maybe a little bit harder to track in organizations are win rates. Um, because I think depending on the deal cycle and the deal length, they can go from quarter to quarter, year to year. Like I say, my, my first experience in product marketing was with a sales company with a sales cycle from anywhere from 6 to 18 months in certain cases. So it's difficult in a calendar year to kind of hone in on those. But I think that's why I always bring it back to, to bring it back to that revenue number. Um, and I think one of the things I always like to do for my team as well is is just making sure that they are honing in on their own learning and development as well. Um, so whether that's learning courses from the Product Marketing Alliance, WTF is go-to-market, Pragmatic, there's great training out there right now for product marketers, it's only growing. And I would say because the space is still growing, they're still relatively cost-effective. If you're going in and trying to do product management masters, It's going to cost you in Ireland anywhere from 10 to 15K. You can get a hell of a lot of certifications and learning in a virtual manner for 1 to 2,000 euros, 1 to $2,000 in that space. So, you know, definitely learning and development is something that product marketers should always be, uh, have always at the top of their
0: mind. All roads lead to revenue right so that this is a that that makes perfect sense to me but then you started to give some some wonderful kind of leading measures or things that they could lean into that will impact the revenue right some people say i've heard some some people say that revenue takes care of itself if you do the things that will impact the revenue right and so if you want to impact that rev what are some things and you mentioned our friends at High Spot, which we love our friends at High Spot, right? High Spot's a technology um, that can be employed for product marketers and every product marketer should use. I, I wanna go deeper here into technology. <clears throat> for today's product marketer, what tools or maybe technologies should they be using in addition to High Spot, right? So, what, what else should they be using and why?
1: Uh, This is an area that's really close to my heart, Ryan, and I know it's not a planted question, but uh, I started a podcast called Product Marketing AI about a year ago, and it was really to delve into that area because I felt there was, I guess for, there was such a mass amount of tooling for product management folks, for people in the demand generation space, people in the the campaign space, marketing operations, just the MarTech stacks that you would see on Scott Brinker's files, So much stuff there, and there was very little, I think, focused directly on product marketers. There was, I think, probably some elements that were maybe linked uh, in a kind of an opaque way, but I think that was an area that I really wanted to hone in on. So when I talked to people on the podcast, it was very much around getting their their three favorite tools and the one they hated most. So some of the things I think that have uh, really come out out very strongly is project management tooling is crucial. Um, I would say... The use of a project management tooling is crucial. From what I've seen, and this is probably a challenge for everybody in the project management space, is a lot of them are doing pretty much the same thing. So whether it's it's ClickUp or Reich or Asana, they all do a good job.
0: Monday. So I, I got to get my yeah, shout mon- out for Monday. Mon- Monday, Monday. Monday.com. Yeah. <laughs> i
1: Monday.com. I've, I've used that in the past, loved it. But yeah. as I say, if somebody said to me, yeah, uh, we're kicking out Monday and we're taking in Reich, or we're kicking out Reich and we're taking in ClickUp, I'm probably going to be okay with with any of those tools and yeah. i think everybody in the in the product marketing space is pretty much native to those so i would say um uh definitely on the project management side for me i think um a partner in the win-loss space is really really important for those interviews that's not necessarily a technology in all cases but the ability to be able to outsource that type of work is really really important one of the things i was talking to maureen west uh she's an amazing product marketing leader out of the midwest in the u.s and one of the things she said was product marketers should not be doing their own win loss interviews period (laughs) why
0: why did she say that
1: Because it's so time consuming. So, and I think, and it's a huge part of it is it's the program management behind it as well. So you really have to hone in on who your candidates are, the scope of the interviews, the creation of the reports. In a lot of cases, people who take this on are are in maybe one to two person product marketing teams. And it can be a full-time job in itself unless you have some help. So I would say that's an area that's kind of ripe for outsourcing, ripe for technology advancement. Um, Competitive Intel, I think is an area we've kind of, I've kind of dipped in and out of in terms of technology. I think the the basis of where you actually want to put that in your stack is I think based on the maturity of the organization, I think in a lot of cases you can have, um, if you keep your competitive set as as narrow as you you can, two or three uh, competitors for each product, you can get really good battle cards uh, into the hands of your sales team Host them on your sales enablement platform. Host them on SharePoint as you needed as as needed. So I think there's there's kind of different ways to cut this depending on your budget. Um, but then I, I would say one of the things that kind of came up quite a, a lot in talking to folks was picking up the phone is an underrated and very, very cheap tool when it comes to uh, async uh, work these days because I think there's always that temptation to, you know, you, you chuck a Google Doc or you, you send a kind of a, um, a Word doc out to everybody and let's all work on it async. And, you know, after a week, everybody's been kind of pinging in and out. There's comments everywhere and it's a total mess. So I think that the importance of actually picking up the phone and having conversations with folks, particularly in a remote world, Is so important um, when you're not actually meeting people on a day to day basis. So don't be afraid to go analog. Was what I would say on on some of these things. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone. Um, And you know because it's too easy. The it's it's like the precious. It's like the shining uh, uh, Frodo or uh, Lord of the Rings. This guy looking for you know the the tool that's going to solve all the problems. Yes, they're like yes, the tools do a really good job but it's not always necessarily the be on and end all of of what you're actually gonna help to create. Because when you take a tool in, there's budget that needs to be signed off. There's relationships with those vendors that you actually need to build up. There's people you need to manage the content that sits on those. Um, so I would say that those are things. Um, so comp intel, um, use your project management tools as well as you can, your sales name and platforms, ideally with some analytics included. It can be pretty disheartening to see a presentation that you worked on or a new pitch deck and it's been downloaded seven times. Um, and sometimes you're kind of need gonna need that information to to give uh, that push to the sales and sales enablement team to kind of really distribute this stuff internally. So I think those are the things that I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to have in my toolkit as, as a product marketer.
0: So, uh, I mean, first of all, I can see Gollum sitting in the corner right now with with his precious, <laughs> oh, my precious. That's funny, it was a, that was a great uh, visual you you provided us and the listeners today. So that was fantastic. Um, you mentioned a myriad of different technologies and areas from win-loss to conversational, or competitive you know, CI, conversational intelligence, customer experience, NPS. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. You just bumped into a problem that everybody is experiencing, not just product marketers, but sales, executives, product, everybody in technology today is experiencing tech stack issues. And I want to, and yes, this is totally selfish on my part because we are a win-loss company, but it helps prove the point. Um, you, you mentioned your, your friend in the Midwest, the United States, who, look, you shouldn't be doing your own win-loss. I asked why, and I think you said because of just the time commitment. It's a big lift from, every, from all of the project management that goes behind the scenes just to forget about the phone call, but everything that leads up to the phone call, it's a lift. And if anybody has tried it, it's a lot, it's time consuming, that could be a full time job. We've tried to remove some of that lift via automation, right? So we have a whole process that's really diminished the lift on the on the back and from a project management perspective, that allows people to then focus on the thing that they want from all of these technologies. And that is the insights that they provide you. It's not about the tool. It's about the insight, right? What you just said, a product marketer needs to know what, how many times it's been downloaded. So they know where they can go push. They want the insight. They don't want the tool. And now I don't want to say they don't want the tool, but you it's not the tool isn't the end. That's the, that's the means. The end is the insight. So they know how to inform their decisions and their behaviors. How do you do this in a product marketing world where there is so much data? How do we start to make sense of the data that's coming from all of these different areas, combine it into an insight that causes you to act? How How do you synthesize all this stuff?
1: I think that's where the opportunity sits for vendors that can consolidate a lot of this tooling. Because when I think of how nascent and immature the product marketing tool set world actually is, oh my gosh, it's frightening. How uh, I think you know, product marketer as a as a function is probably in we're in that probably angsty kind of teenage <laughs> phase as we kind of grow I never, up. And I we're... never
0: had that angsty teenage phase. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I certainly had, and uh, I think when it comes from a technology point of view, that's where I kind of felt the opportunity was last year. Is that there, there's not as many tools dedicated to the product marketer. And I think frankly, it's because in a lot of cases, product marketers don't have budget. Mm-hmm. And I think that's changing uh, as the influence of the team and actually grows the tooling is gonna come because the budget is gonna be there. And I think what people are actually gonna try and find is something that's gonna be able to combine a lot of those elements. I think Ignition um, and Derek and Osgood and those folks are are doing a really good job in trying to define a new category of all-in-one platform for the product marketer. But I think that's an area that is going to be so important. Um, The positioning of it is always tricky, right? Because it's like, how far do you get into the JIRA engineering product development type world and how far... How much further do you actually go down and actually uh, use um, the the launch at launch aspects of it so I, I think there's there's so much white space there for for tooling that consolidates a lot of this stuff because I think a lot of the times the the project management tools certainly pitched into product marketers is really really useful, but they're not necessarily designed and built for the product marketing function.
0: okay. So we've talked about the technology. We've talked about the past, kind of where things are headed. Um, let's go. Let's go further into the future, right? So five to ten years from now, um, how do you predict product marketing will evolve, right? What's that next iteration potentially look like for that uh, product marketing fun- function?
1: About two years ago, I did a. Uh... Very poorly attended presentation on YouTube that I think has been subsequently viewed about 114 times. Um, it's going
0: to have 115 after this. After this, yeah, broadcast. it's a.
1: It wasn't exactly a viral hit, but I think my my kind of Jerry Maguire prediction at the time was that bifurcation was the real uh, theme. Although I think it's it's starting to kind of come to pass. I think what you're going to see in the role is almost the demise of product marketing and that it almost needs to fall apart for it to come back together. Because I think product marketers, almost to a person, take on too much. Hmm. Competitive intel, sales enablement, positioning and messaging, um, sales support, pricing, launch elements, GTM, throw it all into the mix, campaign briefings, it's too much for one role. And I think you're going to see a lot more specialisms in that space in product marketing as a whole. I think you're starting to see it right now, particularly with competitive intelligence specialists. Sales enablement has been an, an area that's always been there for quite a while, but I think more, I think product marketing and sales enablement that focuses on the content that gets created is going to be another area. People that are positioning and messaging specialists is going to be another area that's going to have to split. But, I think the, the skills that a product marketer is have, are going to be able to have, even though they're focused in on a key area, they're still going to be able to bring that together. Mm-hmm. So I do see the, the kind of bifurcation of the role um, into dedicated areas and, and more achievable chunks. And uh, I think areas that people can actually have more of an impact in. So you can actually show more impact rather than keeping 8, 10, 15, projects kind of taken along um, in, in terms of the hours of the day that you actually have. If you can actually get your hands around something like a, a comp Intel work stream or sales enablement or refactoring or reframing the positioning, messaging, strategic narrative in a business, that's going to give you a lot more impact and I think a lot more job satisfaction as well for a lot of product marketers. So I do think I do see that kind of that bifurcation, a split of the role into more dedicated and focused areas and perhaps that kind of leadership area then to be able to to try and bring that all together and and work more closely with people in the campaign side and people in the, in the web, the website of the house too. So love that
0: person prediction. Um, you, you heard it here, folks, uh, bifurcation specialization of the product, mon- uh, product yeah. marketing function. So I, I think that's, I think I can see that, uh, as you've even started the talk, I, I can see how that is already evolving in other organizations with or- other organizations that we, that we serve. So it's really interesting. Um, so does that mean, are, are you saying that the product marketer generalist will go away or is it, is it going to be a specialization, but you need to have a foundation in the generalist kind of space?
1: No, I think I think people can go from one to the other. Where I would see you'd have a leader, someone in the leadership space, are going to need to have a purview over all of it, but that they're the person is going to be able to kind of bring that together. But I think if you're if you're coming in with a, a comp, Intel uh, specialist background, you're going to have a real mindset of what's important in the market, what's important to the customer how that helps sales, you're going to easily be able to transition into a sales enablement type role. If you're in the sales enablement side, you're going to be e- easily able to transition into roles that are more in terms of pricing, commercial background. So I think, I think there's there'll still be plenty of overlaps, but I think you're going to see a lot more job specs that are product marketing GTM specific, which was a role that I started in Sitecore initially, and then moved into product marketing as a whole. But I think that those type of roles, product marketing comp intel, product marketing win loss, product marketing sales enablement, those are some of the roles you're going to see more and more in the future.
0: So what about, does this lend itself to speed? Does this specialization lend itself to just-in-time solutions? What I mean is, uh, in in, in today's uh, buying or or, or selling environment or buying environment, depending on what side of the the coin you're sitting on, if you're the buyer or the seller, um, most of This is happening um, with the digital transformation and buyers spending more and more and more time self educating prior to engaging with a salesperson. They are um, then coming with prefabricated ideas, right? Some, some, Some ideas and hypotheses around who you are as a company, what your product does, and so on and so forth, and what they even need, right? The solution to the problem that they're looking for. How does the product market? the the product marketer evolution that you're talking about support this kind of just in time mentality where a salesperson, a marketing messaging, something needs to be customized or, you know, whatever it is, how does that fit into that need for just in time?
1: I think that that specialism almost by definition allows them to achieve what they need to achieve. And I think right now when a request comes in, it goes into a pile and you have to try and triage that as best you can. And you try and do as much as you possibly can in a short space of time. What I think is, you know, it's, but I think the way those tasks and roles are actually building up, it's completely unsustainable. The amount of uh, workload that's been foisted on most of these people. I know that there's been quite a bit of talk about burnout and stuff in product marketing. I think that's going to become more relevant, more prevalent as well in the industry. So I think in order for people to continue to be successful in their roles, they're going to have to take on an achievable amount of work. And I think when you're focused in on a specific arm or area uh, of product marketing as a whole, you're going to be able to do those things faster and and meet those requirements faster, I think. So that's how I would see it playing out.
0: So, Sean, um, winding our conversation down here, the overarching, my favorite part about our conversation, about your perspective, the paradigm that you shared with us and our listeners today, has been the human centric nature of your paradigm. Meaning you've talked about people, you've talked about relationships, you've talked about burnout, you're talking about human beings. There isn't enough of that. Frankly, there is not enough of that kind of conversation that's happening in today's environment. So thank you for sharing that, that perspective and that paradigm that that's, that's refreshing. Thank you.
1: No, I, I appreciate it because I think, you know, in, in an environment where you're seeing layoffs, it is difficult and you, and you have to kind of reframe what's achievable in a role as well. I think even in a kind of a post-layoff world, everybody's trying to show the value. Everybody's trying to do as much as they possibly can. That's your natural inclination when something like that happens. But that's only sustainable for so long. And I think that's what people need to have in the back of their mind. I think it's, you know, as, you know, people come out of ideally this kind of phase of uh, layoffs in the industry are starting to come to a close. That's what you'd like to think. But I think, you know, in, in the industry as a whole, people taking on achievable chunks of work, I think is is definitely something that I certainly haven't perfected, but uh, as someone who tries to, uh, like I say, bite off more than I can chew, but uh, it's it's definitely something that people need to keep in mind.
0: Okay, Sean, last question for you. If you had one piece of advice for a today's product marketer, either just starting or somebody who's looking to take it to the next level, what what would it be?
1: I have a motto that I use and it's super cheesy, but I'm just going to drop it anyway, because it's what I live by. And I think there's kind of, there's three elements that I prioritize in my own life. It's, it's in this order, it's health, family, and work. And I think when you nail, when you look after the first two, the third one becomes a lot easier. And I think in a lot of, areas in product marketing as a whole because the role is so pressurized and there's so much to get done, it's very easy to flip that. Mm. It's very easy for it to be work, family, and then health. And I always come back to that uh, analogy of when you're sitting on the airplane, you got to look after your own air mask, your own oxygen mask first before you look after somebody else's. So you need to be able to look after your health, to be able to look after your family, in order to be able to look after your family you have to be able to work so i think if, you, if people can nail those two then the work bit gets easier the learning tools are there their supports are there the opportunities are there in the industry for product marketers it's a super important part of any software business or even any hardware business for that matter so i think if you can kind of nail those those two elements focus on your health focus on your family and then the work comes the work comes third in that order may not be something that most people would uh, think about, but it's how I think about how I like to do my job. And I think that gives you the most mental clarity. It gives you the most energy to do your job uh, and to really kind of prioritize what needs to be prioritized. So health family work in that order and then just keep learning. That's it for me.
0: Sean, man, you've been amazing. Thank you for the time today. and Thank you for coming on the show.
1: I really appreciate it, Ryan. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much.
0: And listeners, for more from our friends at Sitecore and from us here at Primary Intelligence, check out the show notes at www.primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And remember, no deal is out of reach. We'll see you next time.